We're going to be in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18 this morning. Before we read that, I, uh, I haven't looked to see uh, if uh, Mountain Fellowship has any Google reviews. Um, and uh, I'll just say right now, if you look and we do, don't send them to me. I don't, I don't want to know. But if we had a Google review, you know, with the stars and all that stuff, I think this would be an appropriate and fantastic and true Google review for Mountain Fellowship. Here it is. Somebody would write, these people not only preach the love of Jesus to each other, they practice the love of Jesus with each other. I'm going to say that again. These people not only preach the love of Jesus to each other, they practice the love of Jesus with each other. Wouldn't that be a great review? That's exactly what James wants the church to be. That's the kind of review that James wants the church to have. And that's why he writes what he writes in these verses we're going to consider this morning. James is going to tell us, if your church truly has gospel wisdom, it will live together in a gospel way. If your church truly preaches the gospel, the love of Jesus, it will practice the love of Jesus. It will practice the way of wisdom. Let's hear the word of the God who loves us as we stand together. And I read from James chapter 3. James says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, um, we ask that you would help us now as we hear these words from James. Um, speak to each of us what you have for each of us. Speak to all of us as a group what you have for all of us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now remember, James is writing to a brand new group of followers of Jesus who had been forced out of Jerusalem by persecution for their faith in Jesus. They had been forced to other parts of the Mediterranean world at the time. And 
those people would arrive in those places announcing a new kind of wisdom, a, a new, um, if wisdom, as we've said before, is um, living in the light of reality, what God says is real and true, then they're coming and they're announcing a new kind of wisdom to a world that's just full of competing wisdoms, <laughs> competing stories and narratives about what's real and how to live in that reality. And their new wisdom that they're bringing to these places where they're landing is this. They're saying, this is the story that explains everything. Since the beginning, we have sinned against God by substituting ourselves for God. But because of his great love for sinners, God came in Jesus Christ to save us by substituting himself for us. Now that had to have been unbelievable to hear. And we know that uh, they were mocked by Greeks and Jews for this message. Their message, their wisdom was, listen, we have been setting ourselves against God and putting ourselves where only God deserves to be. But because of his love for us, God in Jesus Christ sacrificed himself for us and put himself where only we deserve to be. So that's the wisdom that these folks that James is writing to, that's the message that they're proclaiming when they go. But James is writing to challenge the churches to let all the wisdom they have learned about Jesus and from Jesus show itself in, they, in the way they live like Jesus. And that challenge is still fresh for us today. Um, about 50 years ago, Dr. Francis Schaeffer echoed what James is writing in these verses uh, with his own warning to the evangelical church. He said this, People should see in the church a bold alternative to the way modern men treat people as animals and machines. There should be something so different that they will listen, something so different it will commend the gospel to them. And then he asked the question, have Christians and churches been like that? And he says, the answer all too often is no. This is 50 years ago. The answer all too often is no. We have something to ask the Lord to forgive us for. Evangelicals, we who are true Bible-believing Christians, we have true wisdom, we must ask God to forgive us for the ugliness with which we've often treated each other. Listen to this. He says, true Christianity produces beauty as well as truth. If we do not show beauty in the way we treat each other, then in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of our own children, we are destroying the truth we proclaim. And it sounds just like James. So James's message to us this morning is as relevant now as it was 2,000 years ago, as it was 50 years ago. James would agree with Francis Schaeffer when he says that true Christianity produces the beauty of loving one another like Christ loved us, as well as truth. 
as a sign of the truth. James says in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Which of you gets it? <laughs> um, we, we come into our culture and we go, no, we know the truth. We, we have the word. We have the revelation of God. We get it. We have Christ. We have wisdom himself. And James says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Meekness is humility. It's a word that Jesus used to describe himself. Gentle and lowly of heart. So who gets it, James says. The one who gets it is the one who shows it in his good life in his works that come from the meekness, the humility of wisdom. But then he goes on in verse 14. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, let me start, stop right there. Selfish ambition, the word translated selfish ambition there, was used by Aristotle to describe the political party spirit that was causing chaos in his world. James uses this term, Paul uses this term, they're borrowing this term saying, James is saying, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, if you, believer in Jesus, have a kind of a tribal, political, party kind of inside the church. If you're bringing the way you operate outside the church by you have your favorite party and your favorite politician and your favorite football team and your favorite baseball team, if you're bringing that kind of party spirit into the church, that's selfish ambition. James is saying, if you envy other Christians in your church and you begin to divide into factions among the congregation, do not boast and be false to the truth. Just don't brag about it. Don't, don't spread your, your uh, factions around because that's false to the truth. If you do that, then he says, your relationships with each other are lying about your relationship with Jesus. As Schaefer said, in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of our own children, we're destroying the very truth we proclaim about Jesus. That's tough to hear. It reminded me again of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, don't let your dream about the church you want destroy your love for the church you actually have. That's not, it's not wrong to want what Jesus wants for his church. <laughs> but 
But what is easy for us to do, and pastors do this probably more often than you do, because all we think about is the church, um, is we allow our, our vision and our dream of what our church community, we want it to be, we allow it to destroy our love for the actual community that we have, the people that are sitting in front of us. It's not wrong to want to pursue a biblical ideal for the church. That's what we're going to, we want to do that all the time. But it's very easy to slide into my ideal for what the church should be and do and look like. And we get into a place where we begin to let that expectation make us disappointed in what we actually have. And we forget to love the ones we've got right here. This is who we are. <laughs> Let's love one another. Hard words from James. He goes on in verse 15. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. This kind of wisdom, he says, is earthly. In other words, it only has its eyes horizontal. It never looks up. It's only concerned with here, what it can see. It's earthly, he says. He says it's unspiritual. And what that means is that it comes from the, the, the heart that's not yet made new by God's spirit. It's unspiritual, capital S. It's not the kind of wisdom that should come from a heart made new by the Spirit of God. And these progress, earthly, unspiritual, demonic, he says. Demonic. It's the same false wisdom that Adam and Eve thought the forbidden fruit would give them. Remember? It looked good to eat. It was pleasant to the eyes and it looked like something that would give wisdom. Genesis 3 says. And what happened? They grabbed for that wisdom and it brought disorder and every vile practice into the world from then till now. It's demonic. Demonic kind of wisdom. And that's what, that's what James says. Where, where jealousy and selfish ambition Ambition exists, there will be every, uh, there will be disorder and every vile practice. And the people who see churches and Christians acting like that will not see in them the wisdom and beauty of Jesus. So James goes on in verse 17, he says, but, but, the wisdom from above is first pure, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, it's open to reason, it's, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's impartial and sincere. That sounds so different than bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. And not only that, a harvest 
of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So the wisdom that comes from above does not end up in disorder and selfish ambition and bitter jealousy and division. It ends in peace. It ends with humility and peace. And and remember, biblical peace is not just, uh, hey, we're okay with each other. You know, we're we're not fighting. (laughs) Biblical peace is, is more. Remember, shalom. It's the kind of peace um, that um, wants to see wholeness and flourishing in one another. And so our ambition becomes, when we are uh, receiving the wisdom from above, our ambition becomes, I want to see you whole and flourishing. Not, I want to see you get in line with how I think things ought to be. The wisdom that comes from above above results in a a desire to see everyone in the church whole and flourishing, not just the people in my friend group. We all want all of us to be whole and flourishing in Christ together. And James says that that kind of ambition yields a harvest of righteousness. Again, righteousness is according to the law of God. It's, it, it, it yields a harvest of a people who love God together and love others together. People who look like Jesus so that their neighbors will see in them the beauty of Jesus. That's what James is after. That's the kind of reputation he wants his churches to have. Now, I'm going to speak to you as your pastor today and just tell you that as I read this this week, I really struggle. <laughs> I, I understand, I realize that James is coming at us every week. Bam, bam. Remember last week? Just one more time. And he comes at you again. Um, and it's hard. And he's saying hard things. And... Um, I want you to hear me say that as far as I know, when I look at you, when I look at you out here right now, and when I talk to you and know what's going on and what's up in your life, um, I see verses 17 and 18 in you, Mount Fellowship. Um, I see the way of the wise, the way of wisdom from above, in the way you love each other. I see that. And so I I just thought as I was preparing this, I was like, okay, James is coming in hard, but I I want you to know, uh, I think James is saying, here's the vision of what you need to be and can be because of Jesus, church, verses 17 and 18. But watch out. These verses before are are always crouching at your door, as God told Cain. And so James is a wise pastor. He he knows the dangers of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition are always 
crouching at the door, waiting to pounce on a church. In fact, he warns that it can all just start with one person. Where, where, where do I see that? Well, it's very interesting. In verse 13, he speaks singular. In the rest of the passage, he speaks plural. You, you all, y'all. He describes in the rest of the, the verses a, a, a divided church that leans on earthly wisdom. He's talking about the community. And then in verses 17 and 18, he describes uh, a peaceful church, a whole flourishing church together, and he uses the plural you. He's saying y'all are like this. But in verse 13, he says it starts with one person. He uses the singular. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? By his singular good conduct, let him singular show his singular works in the humility of wisdom. So, in order to get to the whole community being corrupted by earthly wisdom or the whole community flourishing in wisdom from God, it starts with an individual. It starts with me. It starts with each of us. We have to think about are we, are we seeing humility come out of our hearts and our lives because of what we know about Jesus? Because that we know Jesus. Is it producing a humility in us that begins to look like verses 17 and 18? And it's a humility that just makes selfish ambition and bitter jealousy Crazy. I mean, that doesn't fit a humble heart. <laughs> but hear me again. When I look at you as a congregation, I see you practicing the love of Jesus that we try to preach. Okay? I want, I want you to be encouraged today. Um, this could ruin the chili cook-off, couldn't it? Everybody's like, Wow. But be encouraged. And then go to the chili cook-off and practice the love of Jesus that you already do so well. I see Jesus in the way you love each other. But I also see Jesus in verses 17 and 18. I'm going to read these verses again, and I want you to listen, and I want you to think about Jesus, Okay? But the wisdom from above is first pure. It's moral pure, absolutely morally pure. Then peaceable. He wants flourishing for people. Gentle. Think about the way Jesus dealt with broken people. Gentle. Open to reason. Now, what does that mean? Well, I had to look it up and, and try to figure it out. It, it means uh, 
It means to be open to the reasons for why you should obey. Uh, willing to be compliant to one who has authority over you. Open to reason. That's Jesus as he submitted to his father. Full of mercy. Full of good fruits. Impartial. And sincere. Sincere means just absolutely without any hypocrisy. That's Jesus he's describing. And he wants his churches to look like Jesus. And then he says, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace, by peacemakers. Jesus was, is the peacemaker. In fact, he's the one who said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called what? Blessed are the peacemakers, I'm deaf. Blessed for, they shall be called sons of God. And he's first, the son of God who makes peace. So James is saying, when our church is pure and peaceable, gentle and open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, then we look like Jesus, the son of God. Because he has made us sons and daughters of God. So I want to close our time by looking just for a few minutes at how Jesus exhibited that wisdom. He, he lived in the wisdom from above that James is describing here. And I want us to go back to John 13 that we read earlier today. So it's in your bulletin, or you can look it up in your Bible. Um, and as we do this, a few questions. So Jesus is going to be our, our closing uh, illustration. A couple of questions as I read back through these verses. Look for what did Jesus know? It says, John's going to say he knew a few things. What kind of, what was the wisdom Jesus had? And then I want you to think about, as we read through it, what kind of heart did what he knew produce? What kind of heart did his knowledge produce? And then what kind of action did that heart of, I won't say what it is. What kind of action did that heart produce? Okay, So what did he know? What kind of heart did that produce in him? And what kind of action flowed out of that heart? All right? John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father. So there you go. He knew that it was time cross was coming, the resurrection, and he was going to go back to his father. He knew he was a son who had been sent by the father, and he was going, he was about to accomplish his mission and go back to him. That's what he knew. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. <coughs> During the supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, so here it, here it is again. He knows all that the Father has given him, he knows he's come from his father. He knows he's going back to his father. His entire identity is wrapped up in being the son of the father. Knowing all that, John says, verse 4, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So the heart that was produced when Paul wrote Philippians chapter 2, which we looked at earlier today, he, he described theologically what Jesus did here physically. He did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself taking on the form of a servant. That's what Jesus was doing when he took up the towel in the basin. That was a servant's job. And he humbled himself to the point of obedience, to the point of death on a cross. So Jesus knew who he was in the Father. That produced in his heart a humility a humility, and the action that flowed from that humility was to love and serve. To love and serve a group of men who just hours later were going to desert him, even though they promised they wouldn't. And he even loved and served and washed the feet of Judas, whom just a few moments later John tells us, would be filled with Satan himself and go out to betray Jesus. Jesus, that, that's what wisdom from above does to a person. Wisdom from above says, here's what's real. I'm a son of the Father. That's who I am. I've come from him. He's given me all things that I need. I'm going back to him. And in the meantime, I'm, I'm humbled by all of that. I don't need selfish ambition. <laughs> Jesus, being the son of the father, Jesus has given me all the ambition that I was made for, and that is to be a son and servant of him, of his father. I don't need bitter jealousy. I don't need to worry about whether a brother or sister in my church family is doing better or worse than I am. I'm the son of the Father. So it creates in me a humility that then allows me to turn and love and serve. The Apostle Paul said, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. 
Friends, Jesus is the wisdom from God. And as we all continue to turn away from a zeal and an ambition for our own prominent place among his followers, as we continue to marvel at him, humble ourselves before him, abide in him, knowing that we come from him, that we're going back to him, we will, like him, pick up a towel and serve one another. As we come to this table, Paul said, when you eat, as often as you eat and drink this bread and this cup, you proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. It's a proclamation. The preacher is not the only one who preaches every Sunday. The table preaches too. The table is wisdom from God. The table proclaims the wisdom from God that Jesus died for sinners. Now, if the table is the wisdom of God, then the towel is the way of God. If the table proclaims the death of Jesus until he comes, the towel practices Jesus until he comes. At this table, we preach the love of Jesus to one another. And then we go out, and with a towel, we practice the love of Jesus for one another. Father, would you... Would you continue to make us continue to make this sweet fellowship of people a people of the table and the towel so that the world, starting with Signal Mountain, will see the beauty of Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.